You are listening to Living for the Cinema with Jeff Gershon. I am a cinema enthusiast of all genres, here to discuss with you one film every episode. The good, the bad, and the ugly of what makes each film unique. And just as a warning, these films might be in theaters now, or they may be from 10, 20, 30 years ago. But regardless, there's a strong possibility that I will be revealing spoilers. I might give away the plot or the ending in this review, so just be warned. The film we are here to discuss is Boys in the Hood, which came out 30 years ago in 1991. It was directed by John Singleton. It stars Cuba Gooding Jr., Ice Cube, Morris Chestnut, Lawrence Fishburne, as he was known at the time, Angela Bassett, and Nia Long, among several others. The genre would be urban coming-of-age drama. Now, I had not seen this in a few years, but I have to say it still holds up as a genuinely touching coming-of-age story. This is the story of Trey Stiles, a young child of recent divorce, growing up in the 80s with his mother, played by Angela Bassett, in Los Angeles. Trey has anger issues and has been getting into trouble at school. His mother wants to go back to school herself to get her master's, and so she works it out with his father, Furious, played by Larry Fishburne, so that Trey will move in with him in South Central for a while. Both parents agree that it's time for the boy to learn more from his father, especially about becoming a man. Okay then, what's the three rules? Break it down for me. And hey, think before you answer. I got it. Always look a person in the eye. Do that to respect you better. Two words, to never be afraid to ask you for anything. Stealing isn't necessary. And last one I think was, to never respect anybody who doesn't respect you back. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, you got it. Over time, with a lot of strong discipline from his father, Trey grows up to be a young man about to graduate high school and then go off to college. And that young man is played by Cuba Gooding Jr. in a very impressive star-making performance. His two best friends are two brothers who live nearby. Ricky, a high school football star played by Morris Chestnut, and Doughboy, a slightly older ex-con now living the gangster life, played by Ice Cube in his debut performance. The meat of the film basically follows Trey and his friends over about a week's time when any number of consequential things occur to them, including taking the SATs, interviewing for colleges, barbecues, and sadly escalating gang violence around their neighborhood. Each of these characters are clearly drawn with nuanced performances, and we grow to care about each of them, especially Trey. He's the most level-headed of the bunch thanks to being so effectively raised by his father, but he's not above sometimes getting enmeshed in the bullshit, which is ensnared Doughboy, who's in a local gang himself. You can make a case that some of the story has dated a bit, but this was still very much a film of its time. Singleton presents us with a very distinctive time and place, which is actually one of the film's greatest strengths. Who this? Oh, hi, Mama. Who this? What kind of way is that to answer the phone? 
I'm sorry, Mom. Let me speak to your daddy. Pop! Telephone! Who this? Hey. Hey, how you doing? We get the feel of these blue-collar neighborhoods at the time. The mundanity of tracked housing, the sense of community among several neighbors, but also the proximity to danger, especially the regular sound of police helicopters always flying overhead, which become harder to ignore as the film progresses. Honestly, for much of its runtime, Boys in the Hood is pretty much a well-executed hangout movie, if nothing else. Until, of course, something tragic occurs in the third act, which tests both Trey and the resolve of his father. It all leads to a bittersweet yet very satisfying ending. Turned on the TV this morning. Had the shit on about about living in a violent, a violent world. Showed all these foreign places. Foreigners living on. Started thinking, man. Either they don't know. Don't show. I don't care about what's going on in the hood. Now, across the board, the cast really delivers. Fishburne is a force as a father who suffers no fools, as is Angela Bassett as his ex-wife Reva, who is Trey's mother. I do wish they had more scenes together, but one sit-down they had later in the film, it's a doozy. And in his first acting performance, I think Ice Cube gives a nice performance especially in a standout monologue he gives at the end, which I still quote to this day. In pretty early roles for them, we also see Nia Long, Morris Chestnut, and future Oscar winner slash Watchmen badass Regina King hitting all of the right notes with their characters. And of course, Singleton. He also wrote this screenplay, and he just directs the hell out of this thing. There are no shortage of great shots, including one particularly impressive scene early on featuring the camera panning from inside the bullet hole of a door to Furious after he had shot at an intruder to their home. Singleton's screenplay has all of the elegant markings of a personal story as he based these characters on young men he, he himself grew up with in Los Angeles. There are no real villains in this story. Everyone feels like three-dimensional human beings, even the rival gang members who are at odds with Doughboy towards the end of the story. Singleton, he presents that final violent confrontation between them, not as satisfying retribution, but as another moment of preventable tragedy, continuing a cycle of young lives snuffed out. Just the pensive look on Ice Cube's face after he fires his last shots in that scene tells you everything you need to know about the futility of gun violence. All in all, Boys in the Hood is a dazzling emotional story, which still holds up as one of the best films of the 90s. Happy 30th to a modern classic. And that brings us to the categories. The first category would be Best Needle Drop. This is the best song cue or piece of score used throughout the runtime of the film, because music is essential to film. Now, let me just preface this by saying that I have never been a fan of West Coast gangster rap from the 90s. I'm sorry, but I was always just more of an East Coast guy. A big fan of Public Enemy, Wu-Tang, and Run DMC. So honestly, none of the West Coast stuff on the soundtrack for this movie, which I know was a big deal for the movie at the time, but none of the stuff in the soundtrack really stood out to me, even the stuff that Ice Cube did. Sorry. But that said, there is one song that always stuck with me, and it plays at a key transitional moment in the story. And that would be the 1970 R&B classic, Ooh Ooh Child, if I'm saying it right, by The Five Stair Steps, 
We first hear it punctuating a genuinely nice father-son moment between young Trey and Furious as they're driving away from the beach. And Furious Fishburne, playing him, he just can't help but start grooving to it in excitement as they're driving. And then, as they pull up to their house, they see the police arresting a young doughboy. Just for a quick second, we see Fishburne's face drop as he realizes that he has a tougher road ahead for him, raising Trey to be a man, maybe even more than he thought. And that's the last scene that we see Trey as a young boy before the story fast forwards about 10 years to him as a teenager. It's a great song with a sweet sound to it, and I cannot think of a better musical representation for our protagonist's last true moment of innocence. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, listen to this song. I love this song. Things are gonna be And now the next category, Wasted Talent. This is the most underutilized talent involved with the film. Sadly, being underutilized is pretty much the running theme of Angela Bassett's career. She remains one of our greatest living actresses. And while she did have a pretty good run in the 90s with prominent roles in Malcolm X, What's Love Got to Do With It, which I'm going to review at some point, and she's amazing in it, Waiting to Exhale, How Stella Got Her Groove Back, Strange Days, and a few others, Hollywood in general just kind of didn't know what to do with her once she started pushing 40. And that's often been the case with many actresses, especially women of color. So yes, Angela Bassett has a couple of genuinely strong scenes in this, but why not more? I honestly don't think the story would have been hurt with at least one scene of Trey as a teenager meeting with his mother again, just for some contrast to their earlier scenes together with him as a young boy. Because honestly, once Trey is played by Cuba Gooding, we never actually see them interact, except over the phone for a little bit. So I wouldn't have minded at least one scene like that. But none of this takes away from her monologue late in the movie. Of course you took in your son, my son, our son. And you taught him what he needed to be a man. I'll give you that. Because most men ain't man enough to do what you did. But that gives you no reason. Do you hear me? No reason to tell me that I can't be a mother to my son. What you did is no different from what mothers have been doing from the beginning of time. It's just too bad more brothers won't do the same. This brings us to the trailer moment. This is the scene or moment that best describes this movie. If you're trying to sell somebody on this movie, this is what you show them. Now, I love the barbecue sequence early on in the movie when we get an introduction to Trey's world as a teenager. It features the first appearances of several actors in this film, including Nia Long, Ice Cube, and Regina King. What's cool is that you get to see how all these characters interact, with it becoming obvious early on how Trey is a young gentleman following in his father's example. The barbecue is to celebrate Doughboy's release from prison, and it's being thrown by his mother, played by Tyra Farrell, and it's a pretty raucous scene. And as she unveils the food... Typically, all of the young men, they swarm the table, as young hungry men are prone to do. But of course, it's Trey who stops them, to say that the ladies should get first stab at the food. And beyond that, the barbecue happens to look really good. Hey, why don't you act like gentlemen and let these ladies eat first? Yeah, you act like you ain't never had no barbecue before. The ladies eat. Hoes gotta eat too. Wait a minute, nigga. Who you calling a hoe? I ain't no hoe. Oops. 
Sorry, bitch. Hey, hey. Watch your mouth. Just playing. That brings me to the final category, MVP. This is the person or people who are most responsible for the success of this film. And this has to be one of the most impressive directorial debuts in the history of cinema. No joke. So the MVP has to be John Singleton. He was justifiably nominated for a Best Director Oscar that year. I believe he was also actually the youngest person to ever be nominated for that award, as he was only 22 years old at the time. That's crazy. It's just crazy that someone so young could direct with such a sure hand. It's truly a remarkable achievement, and sadly, Singleton is no longer with us. He passed away just a couple of years ago at the relatively young age of 51. And he did have a pretty strong career with strong films like this, Rosewood, and what I would consider a very underrated run of action films in the early 2000s, including his remake of Shaft, well, actually more of a reboot of Shaft, Too Fast, Too Furious, and Four Brothers. In the early 90s, the success of Singleton, along with Spike Lee, as trailblazing African-American directors would open the doors for so many more to come that decade and, and beyond. Just in the 90s, the Hughes brothers, F. Gary Gray, Kazi Lemons, and an even more recent crop of truly stellar directors, including Steve McQueen, Ryan Coogler, and Barry Jenkins. Singleton's success in the early 90s helped open up the doors for all these great filmmakers. Now, I still wish that Singleton had the opportunity to give us an interesting third act to his directing career, but at the very least, his legacy lives on in the careers of so many other directors who have come up since him. My final rating for Boys in the Hood would be five stars out of five. Yes, this film is that good. Yes, it is held up that well. It is a seminal film, and I highly recommend you check it out if you haven't already. If you want to catch this film, it is available to buy or rent on all streaming platforms. And please, by all means, do check it out. And that ends another West Coast Review. Please subscribe to the Living for the Cinema podcast and follow and like our Facebook page. Stay tuned and join us next time for another review from Living for the Cinema. Living for the Cinema.